Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. My pronouns are she, they, and I am on the unceded land of the Multnomah, Wasco, Calitz, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Bands of Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapuya, Malala, and many other tribes that made their home where I make my home. So we have been container building. If you haven't listened to these episodes in order, I highly recommend going back and scrolling through. We started building a container for tender times, which typically is the holiday season in November. And I have been building each week another episode that would help you or potentially create space for you to not get maybe as overwhelmed, as anxious, as coerced, as manipulated, as exhausted as maybe you sometimes get during this time of year. No matter where you come from, who your family is, what your background is, we all have the potential to get overwhelmed by the rush and the crush that can happen no matter what you celebrate or if you don't celebrate anything it just can happen and there's my computer dinging (laughs) because you know it just it is what it is where there is some background noise i live in a very old house that has a rattly heater and it is 10 degrees outside (laughs) which is not normal for portland oregon So, you know, just doing what you have to do. Either the dogs are barking, the cat jumps on your computer. If you have little children, your children scream. You have a rattly old heater, a creaky old floor. The wind is whistling outside. It's garbage day. (laughs) You know, just everything that could happen may happen. But going back to that container building that we've been doing, we started with the mantras. And mine was something like magic with a touch of realism. And now my dog is scratching herself. (laughs) Magic with a touch of realism. And if you remember, the reason that that was a big deal for me is because I can get caught up in the magic of something, which is not bad on its own. In fact, it's one of the things I love about myself is I can easily get transported by the magic of solstice, of the woods, of my Christmas tree, the magic of making memories, um, any and everything I can get caught up in the magic of. And that's something I love about myself. The other thing that I've noticed along with that is I have to really pay attention because when I get caught up in the magic of something, it can easily get convoluted or tangled with magical thinking. And I talked about this when we did our mantras. The reason that that's hard is because magical thinking then catches me off guard. It's that thing that's like, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, then everybody will be happy and peaceful and content, which I know is 
bullshit. Or if I just, you know, get the right hot chocolate and have the right kind of food and, and create the right kind of presence that, you know, we'll all get along and we'll have a wonderful Christmas and nobody will fight and there won't be any tension, which is also not realistic. Because even when you love each other and even when you have rules and boundaries and ways of speaking to each other, people get triggered or angry or things come up because there's so much that exists inside of us that we aren't aware of that's going on that is getting, you know, scratched on by somebody else or poked by somebody else unintentionally. Not to mention all the people that potentially are in your in your life that might poke you intentionally. So I've been using that a lot just to go, you know, when we're having our family encounters or, you know, we picked our son up from the airport yesterday pretty early and everybody was really happy and excited to see him and then we came home and had breakfast and but you have to keep doing the things that you don't want to do while you're actually trying to engage with whatever you're trying to engage with and in my situation my kids but I still have to figure out what we're going to eat and figure out how to get it made and I'm in the kitchen by myself or whatever is going on so there is realistic things happening amidst the potential magical moments and people are getting poked in a way that maybe you don't know or understand and you're having to navigate somebody else's intense emotions and you might be sitting there going um what's going on I just said let's do this and now I'm having to unravel somebody else's angst or anger or retaliation or whatever. I'd like to say that did not happen yesterday between Todd and I, but it it definitely did. I was like, what is going on? This is not fun for me. I did what I've been trying to do, and I found a time that the kids were occupied with something else. We were going into a store and... I was clear and kind, which is what I'm trying to practice. And I just said, you know, something is going on with you. I'm receiving the residue of that and I don't like it because I feel like everything I'm saying right now is being taken a certain way and that's making it really difficult to have any kind of conversations. And I don't want to do this anymore today. So could you please take care of your own stuff? And then he got a little bit mad and wanted to talk about it right then. And I used the, (laughs) maybe it's not a go to jail card. Maybe that's mean, but I used this card that we have established in our relationship. And that's, I don't want to talk about this right now. I just need you to know that the way you're acting is affecting me in a very negative way. And I'm, I don't like it. And so I'm asking you to do what you need to do to sort out stuff inside of yourself so I'm not having to sort that out for you. And we can talk about it tomorrow. Okay. 
did he like it? No. Did I like it? No. Did one of our kids try to get involved? And I was like, hey, this is, I'm talking to your dad. So I guess what I'm trying to illustrate is even when you're having beautiful moments of family, you're all together, you know, you're excited because you've been waiting for it, shit's going to come up. And what I'm trying to practice, which is very hard for me as a two on the Enneagram, is to not let it fester, which can be tricky too when other people are around. So I had to wait an hour before I could say something, which I would have preferred to just say, hey, I'm not sure what's going on, but can you check in with yourself so I don't have to do this with you because I feel attacked right now. But it, it didn't work out in the situation we were in. So I had to wait longer than I would have preferred. I also would have preferred to not have it be around our kids at all. Even though they're grown up and adult, they still want to get involved. And I just would have rather had it be clean and just say, hey, you know, et cetera, what I've already said. So today we'll set up a meeting to talk about it. He asked last night if he could talk to me about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm not ready getting ready to go to a solstice party. I want to have a good time. I'm not really ready to talk about it. So you can have boundaries when you play this card. And it's really about playing a card that is keeping you both safe because you're playing a card, if you've talked about it beforehand, if you've set up the rules, like when something is going on, when we are in a fight and it's spiraling Any of us can play this card of, hey, I need to take a time out and I will talk to you about this, but I need some time. So let's shoot for later on in the day and check in with each other or the next morning. So there's rules around playing this card, but we've established this in our relationship. Also, even though we've established these rules, doesn't mean that the person that's receiving the card is going to like is going to like that you're playing it. <clears throat> but really playing the card should be for both of you because somebody has the wherewithal to go, okay, this is not going well and it's not going to go well, so somebody needs to stop it and take a break from it and cool off. Now when you take that break, you don't you're not pretending that everything is okay, but you're not making that other person pay because you're literally taking a break from it which can be very tricky. Sometimes you have to get space. Sometimes I'll go on a walk or, you know, jog with the dogs or whatever. But because I had done this early enough, I was able to still engage and not feel like I was having to pretend. So what I'm trying to illustrate too is all of these things, even with the people that you're closest to, can trust the most, can end up you know, having altercations or feelings that aren't good for you. You don't feel good in them. And so the things that we've been building, the mantras, are a good tool. You know, I drove home the whole way home while we were listening to music and talking, saying my mantra on and off in my head, like magic with a touch of realism, magic with a touch of realism. The magic is hanging out with people I love the most. The realism is, Angie, shit's still going to go down. 
Angie, people are still going to talk over you. It's going to be irritating to you. Angie, you're going to have altercations with Todd or with your kids at different points in this time. Magic with a touch of realism. I've been building the container, but it doesn't mean that even though the container's built, that I'm not hurt by the situations or wishing that we didn't have any altercations. Of course I wish there were no altercations and everybody just knew what they were going to do and was peaceful and loving and, you know, but also that's not realistic. We have our own stuff, Todd and I. Our kids have their stuff that they're bringing home. Probably a big part of it is just wanting it to be like it used to be, you know, when you're growing up and you come home and you just want to chill and sleep in and be a kid again and you're not a kid anymore. And also at the same time, you want to be acknowledged as an adult with your own ideas and knowledge and all that. So it's complicated. So the mantra helped me. It helped me just in the sense of it brought me back to reality with a touch of real. <laughs> so it was good. I could remember like there will still be magical moments and there will also be things in these magical moments that I wish that I didn't have to navigate and that's okay. The the other thing that we built was the you know, what makes me resentful? What have I said yes to that makes me resentful and how can I make different choices by my making those lists? Saying no And holding that no and knowing that we can change our mind or saying yes and living with the consequences, both good and bad of that yes. That's helped me because I think it's the first time really at Christmas where all of these boundaries that I've been creating with my family for 25 years have solidified in their own system. And I'll explain that. Todd and I just had our 24th anniversary at the end of November. And we've been together almost 25 years. And the entire time we've been together, we have been dealing with painful bullshit from family stuff. Navigating it, drawing boundaries around it, how did we want to bring our kids up in it, all the stuff. Stuff... You know, before we got married, I knew we'd have to navigate a little bit, but because I had repressed memories, I had no idea how much I was going to have to navigate that stuff if I wanted to keep my kids safe and myself safe. And I have been in therapy on and off, mostly on, for 24 years. And I did a little bit of therapy before we got married. And I have drawn amazing boundaries over the years. But this is the first year where I am content, completely content, with not seeing any of my extended family or Todd's extended family. We'll see some people. But I think I briefly talked about it last week. And still, usually I can feel a little bit of contentment. Like, okay, I did it. It's white-knuckling contentment, which isn't really contentment. You know, like, okay, but it was my brother's birthday. I'm feeling conflicted feelings. I didn't do what I, you know, all the stuff. I should have done this, and I didn't feel any of that this year. I sent him a very brief text. Hope you have a happy birthday. That was it. I was asked to go to a birthday party because he's a solstice baby the day before. 
had plans, couldn't go. That was it. I didn't feel guilty about it. I just was like, yeah, I have plans, so I can't do that. Even if I hadn't had plans and I felt like I needed to lie, I feel like at this point, I am secure with myself. That I can do nothing and I will be okay. Even if they are not okay with me. So those of you that are listening that have toxic and painful families will probably understand this if you've been open about any of the things that have happened to you. So if you've been the one that has called out the abuse or you've been the one to say, that's not okay if you treat me that way or I will not be manipulated by you, whatever it is that you called out, you then more often than not, become the focus of the rage and the anger for the rest of the family. Now, everyone in your family, you know, I'm talking dads, moms, grandparents, aunts, uncles, may know or have an idea how you were harmed or at least know the person that harmed you or people that harmed you or are harming you are not good people. But for some reason, the person that calls out the lie, the abuse, you know, the racism, the sexism, the homophobia, whatever it is that you're saying, I will not allow this to touch me. I will not allow you to reject my child because they're trans. I will not allow you to reject my partner because I'm gay. Whatever it is, that family more than likely will turn on you. And I've seen it again and again. My friends that have been the ones that have said, hey, no more, have been the ones that then the friends, the aunts, the uncles have turned on. Like, how dare you? This is your family. These are your parents. They could know that the dad was a total narcissist and abusive And nobody really likes him. But for some reason, the person that calls out the truth gets the shit. And that has been my experience. And that's been, I'm pretty sure, my sister's experience too. The two of us are the ones that called it out. We become the people that everybody hates. You know, I have aunts and uncles that haven't talked to me in 24 years yet still say to my dad how much they love me and they wish that they could see me. That's bullshit. They don't want to see me. They don't love me because that's not love. That's not what love looks like. So I just want to remind you of the landmines that are laid out in front of those of us who refuse to stay silent anymore. And that you can refuse to stay silent and call stuff out and still be in pain by the treatment you receive. So let me say that one more time. You can refuse to stay silent, to toe the family line, to pretend any longer and take that brave and courageous step and still be in pain 
about the treatment you receive from your family because it is painful. You've already experienced the abuse, whatever it was, or have experienced the rejection, whatever it was, which I would consider also abuse. So you've gone through that hard thing of calling out the skeleton, you know, pulling that family skeleton out of the closet. And on top of it, you get rejected by the people that weren't part of the abuse, but are quite willing to be complicit in it. Because that's what that is. That's complicit. Complicity? I don't, that's not a word. That's, that's being complicit, which is very closely related to the actual abuse because it's another form of abuse. Being willing to be quiet in the face of injustice or to prop that injustice up at the expense of the person that's living through that injustice. In my case, you know, molestation as a child. So not only do I have to deal with the ramifications of how that's affected my life, how I've parented myself and had to parent myself, how I've had to spend a fortune on therapy, how it's affected my relationship with my partner, relationship with my children, the way I see the world. You know, going back to somebody that wants to see the world in a beautiful, magical way, but that world is not the world I experienced. So I have to be very vigilant about seeing the world as it truly is. Whatever your experience is, you can put it in there. It could be what you think is a very mild one. It doesn't matter if to you it seems mild, if you had to take the brave step of saying no more. I'm not going to let this person fat shame me. I'm not going to let this person do these passive-aggressive manipulating tactics anymore. I don't think any of those are mild. But maybe compared to if you're into the, if you have a hard time not doing the comparison thing, you would go, well, mine isn't, you know, sexual abuse as a child, or mine isn't abandonment, or mine isn't neglect, or mine isn't, you know, X, Y, Z. We don't do the comparison thing. Whatever brave step you had to take to say no more, and how that was interpreted, if it was interpreted by you getting rejected, you getting slandered, you getting told you're not a good person, or whatever it is, that's re-traumatizing. So you're having to navigate not only the shit that you endured and possibly are enduring, but you have to then navigate the rejection that comes from telling the truth, which is extremely painful. So I say all that to kind of remind you that these things that you do to bring yourself peace, to give yourself freedom, to take yourself out of, maybe this is an extreme way to say this, but out of the bondage of a toxic family, those ways that you've done that need to be celebrated. And it's hard to celebrate it in the middle of experiencing it. 
but it's possible and it's hard for me. So I just want you to a full, full honesty. It's hard for me. And I can easily say it to my clients. Hey, you did a brave thing. You should honor it or celebrate it. And we've talked about it on here many times. And it's still a difficult thing for me to know what I need or know how to give myself what I need. But if you can find one small thing that you can do for yourself as you navigate complicated people, toxic people, and systems during the holiday season, if you can find little ways to go, that was a brave thing. Being clear and kind with your partner, that was a brave thing. Saying no to a party and sticking with it because you really didn't want to go, that was a brave thing. You know, letting yourself be snowed in because you honestly do not want to see the people and that's your, at this point in your journey, that's the only way that you can get out of it. That's a brave thing. Going against the status quo that's like, you know, saying to you in the in the pain that you experienced, oh, it's all water under the bridge. Um, isn't blood thicker than water? Well, it's not water under your bridge, the bridge of your life, the bridge that's trying to navigate it, having to go to therapy and read tons of books or be reminded by people that love you that you're going to be okay. That's not water under the bridge. That's a lot of fucking work. And there's no such thing as blood is thicker than water. People that are abusive and refuse to do their own work are the ones that say blood is thicker than water. There's no such thing. Because if that's the truth, whatever that means, and blood is truly thicker than water, then they would have defended you and stood up for you and supported you and helped you and rallied around you when you were going through whatever you were experiencing. That's what that looks like. So that's why friendship that's not toxic and supportive and, you know, builds you up is way more important than blood is thicker than water bullshit. So if you can, think of five ways that you can support yourself. We've talked about this before, but I want you to get a little bit more deliberate with it, whether that's, I'm going to go to the store, I'm buying a box of my favorite hot chocolate, I'm going to hide it in the cupboard, and when everybody goes to bed, I'm going to get out that spray whipped cream that I've already hid, and I'm going to sit with myself and congratulate myself for a job well done, even if it was sloppy, even if you had to lie honoring yourself. Maybe you you always in your family do the chores and make sure everybody's fed. And that's important and you can do your version of whatever healthy way that looks like. I know it can get complicated. But you can also go, I'm going to step out. I'll be back while the soup is simmering and I'm going to take a walk. I'll be back in 20 minutes. And then you're prepared. If somebody says, oh, can I go with you? You can be like, hey, I'm going to take 20. I'll come back and pick you up when you have your shoes on and your coat on or whatever. 
but you're attending first to your own needs and your own ways of validating yourself and rewarding yourself. The other thing you can do is write notes to yourself and put them in places where they're just for you. You don't have to explain them to anybody. You don't have to show them to anybody. Like you can have a note stuck to, if you have your own computer, stuck to your keyboard that just says, you are enough. I'm enough. So when you open that, you see it, put it in your pocket, tell you're done doing your work or whatever you're doing, and then put it back on your keyboard, shut the keyboard. Maybe you have a compact in the bathroom that only you use. You can put a note in that, on that mirror that only you can see. I am worth knowing. I am worth loving. I am worth being in this world. Only you see that, and you open it periodically during the day. If you live alone, you can put notes all over your house, and I highly recommend it, just to remind yourself, you did a hard thing. Put it up there. I did a hard thing. This too shall pass. This thing that I'm feeling will not last forever. It's okay to say no to family. Whatever you need, wherever you can see it, whatever reminds you who you are and how hard you're working, put it up, put it everywhere. But also know that you don't have to want to, you don't have to want to explain it to anybody and you don't have to explain it to anybody. It can just be for you. Little treats. Little treats are good. You could have a little box. If you're a parent, you could also turn this into something that is great for your kids. It can be notes in that box. It can be little candies in that box. If you don't want your kids to have a ton of candy, you can find other things like fruit roll-ups or whatever. And anytime your kid does a hard thing, you're like, wow, you picked up all your toys the first time I asked you. That's amazing. Go get a, go get a reward out of the honor box. Something that's like, you didn't hit your brother. That's amazing. I'm really proud of you. You know, <clears throat> maybe child psychologists would be, that's a bad idea, but I haven't really thought it through. So maybe it would be a bad idea, but it doesn't seem like a bad idea because you're saying, I know you wanted to hit your brother. I know you wanted to scream at me and you made a different choice. And I'm so proud of you. Go get a note. Go get, I love you, but I also have a special little note in there for you with stickers or whatever. Stickers are great because it's not, doesn't have to be food related, which means, you know, it can get costly because you have to put a bunch of stuff in there. You could get a huge book of stickers and cut them and put them all inside. You can also do that for yourself. I don't know where you're going to stick them if you're an adult, but whatever, whatever feels good to you. You know, when I was a kid, I loved those um, scratch and sniff stickers. And I think that would make the child in me so happy to just have a booklet of scratch and sniff scratch and sniff stickers that I just cut up and put in there and and then could take out I also loved those stickers that were like padded so you could push on them and yeah sort of like they weren't just a flat sticker they they had substance but 
this is just a, a technique of giving ourselves what we're not going to get from the people that maybe we should have gotten it from, our parents, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles. You know, maybe your parents have died and you're not going to get it from them. And maybe they were complicated, but mostly all right. And you still have to parent yourself because they're not around. So it's another way to positively parent yourself to just say that thing you just did of saying, no, you can't come to Christmas Eve. And you know that there's going to be a little bit of fallout or whatever, or you were terrified to do it. At least you can go to that rewards or honoring box and just grab something out. Because you deserve it. You deserve to be told that you're enough. You deserve to be held even if there's nobody around to hold you. You deserve to have somebody reward you even if there's nobody around to reward the difficult choices that you're making to put yourself first. To not keep repeating these toxic behaviors. Whether you have kids or not. Whether you're married or not. Whether you're partnered up or not. To repeat these toxic behaviors on yourself and on your friends is not something that you want to keep repeating. And it will keep repeating. Generationally. Until somebody's like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to treat myself this way. I don't want to treat my friends this way. I don't want to treat my colleagues this way. I don't want to treat my partner, my wife, my husband. I don't want to treat my children, my nibblings, any other person the way that I've been treated or the way my family has continued to function. I don't want to do it anymore. And all of those decisions are brave decisions. And you get to make them for yourself. Nobody else gets to decide for you what is right for you. People will have their opinions. And how you manage those opinions by going, either not saying anything, not responding, letting people hate you. I know it's painful because I have a lot of people in my family that they probably don't think they hate me, but they definitely hate me. To me... It seems like they hate me, the things they say about me, the things they think about me that they've expressed to other people that, of course, I've heard about. I don't like it. But I like my life without them. Better than I liked my life with them. Because maybe they weren't my abusers, but they definitely were not my advocates. They did not protect me, support me. They shamed me. And it could have been different. But I got to make a different choice for myself. Yes, the choice was painful. I, I would rather have not had, have had to make it. I'd rather that everybody did the work that they needed to do and we could have a healthy family moving towards even more health. But that was not an option. So I had to make different choices for myself. And those choices deserve bravery or Maybe I'll say it this way. Those choices took bravery, and that bravery deserves to be honored. Those choices took bravery, and that bravery deserves to be honored. So what I'm going to do for myself, which is really hard for me, is 
when I'm done recording this podcast, because this is the last until Christmas and Hanukkah are over, and I will be taking a long break, at least two weeks, maybe, maybe a month, until season seven will come. But today, I will be, no matter what anybody is doing, whether we're having the best family time possible, I am going to take a break today for a half an hour to 45 minutes to either take a walk or a run with my dogs to kind of honor, not kind of, to honor the hard behavior that I'm having to navigate with my family and to honor my behavior and bravery at just making changes for myself. Because I deserve that. And you deserve that. Stay tuned. I'm going to leave a little message at the end. But I just want you to know that there is somebody in Portland right now. Sitting on her bed. With a loud heater going. Looking at my vintage light up frosty in the window. That is thinking about you. I know it doesn't seem real. How can I be thinking about you if I don't know you? But that's the magic part, y'all. That's the magic part. As I'm thinking about you, I'm holding space that you will experience true joy this season. A fresh boundary that wasn't as hard to make as maybe you've had to make in the past. Like for me this year, I want something new for you. And so I'm holding that space wherever you are. Remember who you are. You are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. Happy holidays and take care. I love you. Before I say goodbye, I want to remind everybody that... I will probably not be doing a New Year's Eve podcast because I'm really going to be focusing on my time with my family and taking some time off to be with them and not try to do the thing that I always do, and that's juggle everything at the same time. So this will be my last one for at least a couple of weeks, if not a month. But I'm not going to leave you in the lurch. I'm going to remind you that resolutions are bullshit. So remember that. That can be your mantra for this New Year's. New Year's resolutions, New Year's, I can speak, New Year's resolutions are bullshit. They are a setup for failure. So if you're planning on setting a New Year's resolution, I will meditate an hour every day. I mean, maybe you're one of those people that can make it work. I doubt it. It's a setup for failure. If you're somebody that's like, I'm going to join a gym and work out five days a week. That is a setup for failure. You might be able to do it for a while. But what I'm trying to say is is it's a shame-based model. Resolutions are a shame-based model. They're not real. They're... They're, I don't know who created it. It's probably linked to white supremacy and the patriarchy, but <laughs> they're not real and they, har- they harm you. 
So even though they're not real, the harm that they do is great because it is another way to tell you that you failed. And I don't like that. If you insist on doing something fresh and new for the new year, set an intention. And I know that that's, that's, that's become a catchword for things too, but, you know, say, I want to try to take a walk once a week. That's my goal. That's my intention. You know, maybe you'll take a walk every day, but I want to give myself time alone, moving my body to just be present with myself out in nature. I heard this thing from an indigenous woman yesterday. I think it was on Instagram. And she was saying the significance, I'm not going to do it justice, but the significance of winter is if you go outside, it does something to you. It's like fresh and cold and invigorating. And it's like what I do every morning with my 10 ice cold splashes of water on my face. It it kind of does something to your psyche. It's like taking a, you know, taking a warm shower and then turning it ice cold. And it's like a cold, what I do in, with my friends when we go dip in the cold river all year round. It's, it's, it's changing something in you. So that could be like, I'm going to try to get out once a week for a walk to just be invigorated by nature, whatever is happening, if it's safe for you. Or I would like to spend a little bit of more time reading. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I want to read some books that have been on my list and prioritize that. I want to start to work on my mental health in ways that I haven't done before. Maybe that looks like getting a massage. Maybe that looks like finding a therapist, asking for help from friends to check in on you, setting up a system for yourself that is different than what you had last year or what you had during the lockdown. Giving yourself something that's like, okay, I know that my mental health takes a dip during the winter months when the days are longer, so I'm going to reach out to the safest people I know, that might be one person, that might be three people. I'm going to tell them that I have a tendency to struggle in this time and would they check in on me, you know, once a week. One checks in one week or maybe I need a little bit more than that and I need those three people to check on me once a week. And I'm going to reach out to somebody that I know that has a good therapist and I'm going to ask them if they if they can give me some recommendations. I'm going to take better care of myself in the sense that I'm going to go, I'm going to take a bath or a shower, whatever it is. But keeping it light and, and keeping it more around, I'm not doing this. This is not my resolution written in stone so I can shame myself for not taking care of my mental health, that's not going to work. I'm going to set an intention of, that's, I'd love to make inroads of doing more of this stuff. So sitting down and making a list of like, these are things that take 
one to five minutes and make me feel good. A, a quick phone call or a text from a friend or this is something I can take 15 minutes. I can walk around the block, taking in nature, looking at birds. Yes, it's winter or maybe it's summer and it's for where where you at, where you are at and, and it might be hot or it might be beautiful and, you know, your goal is to just notice things on that walk or talk to yourself inside, come up with a mantra that's like, this year I will work on loving myself more. Things like that. That's what we want in the new year. That's what we want for ourselves that's sustainable and that is not shaming. So that's what I leave you with. I'm going to be thinking about what mine is for the new year, what my intention is, what I want to bring more in and kick more out. I'm not going to, like for instance, maybe I want to bring more loving, gentle activities or softness into my life. And I'm going to work on catching my negative self-talk more and kicking that out. Or when I start to body shame. It doesn't happen as much as it used to, but sometimes it does because we all go through stuff like that. I'm going to catch myself and I'm going to then do something gentle. So I kick out more body shame and I put in more, you know, looking in the mirror and loving my body and whatever it is. So that's what I want to leave you with. I want this year to be different because it won't be dependent on what systems of power are doing. It's going to be dependent on what the acts of revolution that we are doing inside ourselves that then affect outside of us because we're making different choices. Take care of yourself. Be safe over the new year. Figure out a gentle intention. Love you.